Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 200 and, uh, 760. What am I saying? Uh, recorded today, Wednesday, the 1st of June. This is the first day of June. In fact, tomorrow, NAM is coming. In fact, you'll notice that quite often before NAM, uh, I am not doing a show. But because I'm not going this year, uh, our team, uh, Ed and Rob and Jim and Chris, are in the air at the moment. They managed to get through the chaos of their various airports and they will be going there. Mira's going to be joining them uh, also over there in NAM, so NAM's show will be coming from Sonic State uh, soon, so I'll be working here to kind of support the team and do news and stuff, but we will be posting NAM. It seems like only last week we were at Superbooth. Oh, wait a minute, we were only last week at Superbooth. It's just the way that it crumbles. So, uh, hello everybody out there. Th thanks to all your YouTube chatters, the IRCers and all of the other places, the Buzz, and thanks to Wagyu and Dom of course for their continued support of the code. Uh, we've also got messages from our friends over Baby Audio and, uh, and Isotope. Thank you there for their support of the show. We'll be uh, showing you messages from them a little bit later on. This is a podcast to do with music technology. And uh, as of the week of NAM, it seems particularly apt. And we have a fulsome panel, as I want to say. Uh, in fact, uh, before I go there, perhaps I could uh, interest you in our Patreon, which I know has been a little bit lax recently, but we will be building it back up again. Uh, Patreon.com Sonic State, if you want to support us over there. In fact, if you get your, your, your pledge in before the end of the show, you may well see your, your name in lights at the end, because uh, that's automatic automatically done and I think it's working so uh, that's not a very good advert for it is it but uh, we've got some more stuff coming we've got some old show archive stuff and we'll have a little bit more uh, coming there soon so I want to say hello to my guests I think we'll start over with Gaz Gaz over there in uh, Bristol Gaz of course YouTuber himself uh, music producer bass player content <laughs> provider no I'm not going to use that phrase if you <laughs> no definitely not um, but anyway Gaz how are you ah uh, yeah I'm really good thanks I'm I'm just going to show this little thing because you like. If you haven't seen this, you'll like this. EBS, uh, they make uh, bass amps and pedals. Uh, they brought out this kind of. I'm sure many of you will know about it, but if you don't, you might like this. Uh, they brought out this kind of pedalboard-friendly MIDI jack. I mean, this ah. particular one is going into a uh, into a into a mini jack anyway. But this is uh, look at that. It's really flat. But look, look it. You can change. You can change it. So you can. I've changed the can, angle. Change yeah, we've got angle. some of those, but they're not. They're a different model, I think. I it might be a different. Right. Yeah, they're really useful. Yeah. So really once, useful. especially with like desktop synths, you know, as soon as you put like a MIDI jack in, it just pushes everything back so far. It, yeah, I find it I so agree. incredibly annoying. So yeah, EBS make them. So I mean, I think there are a few others, uh, but a few years ago, these things didn't exist, and uh, <laughs> I got in touch with Brad from Isla Instruments to try and plead with him to make some, but he didn't know that there would be a market for it. But um, apparently, there is. So there. <laughs> yeah. No. Nice. Uh, they've got the yeah because you can change the angles which means you can have yeah the the, the thing yeah and also I, I didn't know they did them to uh the the the, the mini jack stuff that's also useful because um mm. yeah otherwise it's not we use those for linking and it means that particularly when we're reviewing and maybe we've got a master keyboard and uh the unit we want to push it right up against it rather than have this huge amount of space it just makes uh, fitting things on much more easily so guys are you uh, streaming tonight or are you uh, uh are you going to a i am gonna stream i am gonna stream Whoa. tonight I don't know what I'm going to do as per usual. I'll figure it out between now and then. But I've got some ideas. Uh, I did get a a Toman. We're knocking. We're doing these. Uh, this is where where that MIDI thing came with EBS uh, delay. It's like a, they call it a delay workstation, and actually, it's amazing. I don't know if they've got any left now, but um, 
like super cheap but like super powerful stereo delay so might have a look at that uh, amongst other things I've also got a new bass preamp. It's called the Digbeth. Uh, and no, it doesn't smell of wee, but it's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> I might have a little look at that as well. I mean, some people might understand what I was saying about that, but um, yeah. Excellent. Okay, about eight, eight o'clock, presumably on the uh, Gaz yeah, Williams show. So do check that yeah. out. Okay. Uh, we've also got Mr. Matt Hodson, who's over there in his modular... Well, modular central, by the looks of things. Uh, how's the uh, how are the how are the fixings on that wall? Are they uh, are they holding up okay? <laughs> I'm a bit worried about the structural integrity of your back of your room there. Yeah, sometimes when I'm I'm walking around, I hear a, sort of a bit of a creak in here. I think, is that it? Is it coming off? Is it finally doing it? And I leg it down. But no, these are these are this is good. This is probably one of the best decisions I made, which was to te put the Euro rack on the wall for sure. It just allows you to stand up or sit down and um, doesn't take up table space and down here which you can't see is just full of cables and gubbins that I want to plug in and modules that haven't made it into the case and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's yeah. all good um, but um, yeah it's been, been been a busy time just kind of been recalibrating since coming back from Superbooth I don't know about you but the, I mean there's so much to tech in um, and so many people to talk to I was a bit exhausted when I came back actually um, just I've, I've got a few few modules that have arrived which you probably know about which i'm getting stuck into at the moment um which might appear on a, a channel that you're very familiar with at some point nick um yes well yes. i'm looking forward to those reviews let's not be around the bush matt matt is matt is going to have a look at a few uh, a few modules for us which is great uh, yes the the, the nobular ones and the the mayor ones as well um, on Monday, I'm doing a live stream talk with Bert from Picasa, um, who built this back. This was this was in 2017, 2018, I think this launched, and there's been some amazing updates on this. And so, um, me and Bert's going to do a live stream and talk about those updates, and also going to be joined by Mike, who does some of the. Um, he's been writing plugins for it. I don't know if you know, but you can you can host uh, plugins on it so uh, this guy's just been totally busy doing loads of that so we're going to talk about that on monday um what else have been up to oh i've got a gig yeah um oh excellent a gig in brighton yeah that's uh that's end of this month supporting um steve davis's band um the utopian strong hey utopia strong yes so they're they're going to be here in brighton um and they've asked me to open for them so I've got that to, to sort out. So I've just got my live case out and I'm deliberating now what modules to put into it, how to approach the whole thing. So I'll probably do some videos on my channel about the decisions behind what I'm going to use, my approach to writing the songs, how I'm actually going to do it live. Um, and those that, that gig will be recorded as well. And every, everyone that subscribes to me on Bandcamp will get a copy of that and, um, and, and, the tr and the tracks that come out of it. So suddenly just gone mad busy, but really good busy. And I'm happy about that. Excellent. And, and the weather's getting I'm better. I'm glad to hear it. Can I just, give, Matt, can I just give you some advice for your studio? Can you keep yeah. a, a microphone in constant record loop? Like, uh, just, just, just in case that modular falls off the wall, you'd get an amazing <laughs> sample. Like a really <laughs> kind of crash noise. I think you'll, you, you will hear me probably shout with, uh, you know, in distress if it does, mate. I think the whole world, 
It'll be imprinted on all of the houses and everything in Brighton, basically. My screen. I wonder if it would go through the floor. That would be that would be a bit terrifying. Well, I, I hope yeah. that doesn't happen, Matt. And I'm I'm fairly sure. It is. Anyway, um, let's get to our, our our third and final guest, Mr. Dave Spears. It's only Dave from G4 Software. How are you, Dave? It's been what seems like a very long time. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't know what to say, really. Yeah, it has been a long time. I can't even remember the last time I was on. But there you go, that's probably a relief for a load of people. Uh, but yeah, I'm all right. Busy, just busy. I haven't is that, an is that an OBX8 I see behind you? Uh, yes, it is. Oh. And it's very, very nice. Excellent, well, I'm glad <laughs> yes. to hear that. Uh, yeah, it might be coming to you at some point. Actually, it's quite Ooh. funny because they said, oh, is there any chance you could give it to somebody for is it gear fest that's on on in june at some point or july anyway it was funny because it was the boss man from america who sent me the email and i just sent a reply back going what obx8 <laughs> and he'd actually dropped it off at the studio and he wrote back going i know where your studio is and i was like oh yeah that makes me the worst thief in the world doesn't it really yeah it's but, never yeah. gonna work out well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. You're having fun with it. Because, I mean, we were talking sort of uh, earlier on that the only, I've only really heard kind of fairly standard OB, you know, I mean, pretty and lovely, but not, I haven't heard any th anything that's kind of like powerfully synthesized, I suppose. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that. Are you finding that you're able to uh, get there? Does it do the things that you hope it does? It's monstrous. Uh, I think from my perspective, I mean, obviously, we've got OBX, OBXA, OB8. So the kind of holy trinity and OBX is always falling over. There's always issues with it. Uh, I mean, essentially, it just doesn't get moved. But if it does, you know, something will happen. Uh, so for me, it's just amazing to have, you know, the three in one. But also, it's not like you select between each different version. You can have the LFOs from one or other. And it's got the um, SEM two-pole, you know, high-pass, band-pass, notch filters in there and stuff. So it's nice to kind of mix and match. Uh, what's interesting from my perspective is that when we've done, you know, various tests and stuff with those three, you kind of set up similar sounds because obviously each one, you put the, a lot of the differences down to kind of calibration. So it's very cool to be able to go, right, let's just check the OB8 LFOs, which actually, I mean, I love the OB8. It was the first proper OB polysynth that I, we ever bought. Uh, but then, of course, you compare that to the OBXA uh, LFO, and there's much more chaos on the XA, you know, much more um, depth, as it were, from the off. So yeah, yeah. From a nerd, from a historic synth nerd's aspect, uh, it's completely bliss. But for me, it's like the OBX series that I've always wanted: decent key bed, velocity, aftertouch. And I'll shut up at that point because I could go on about it all day. <laughs> well, I look forward. To, I do look forward to hearing some more sounds from it and uh, getting my hands on it as well. But uh, yeah, we're, I mean, uh, Nam is here. Uh, literally, well, it's not here yet, but tomorrow is press day. We're hoping we'll get a few things. Uh, press day is usually a load of people. It's like a small Nam show condensed into the foyer, all crammed into a tiny space, making a really massive noise with all the press at the same time. So it's like a super condensed bit of Nam. It makes it almost 
impossible to film anything. We hope we'll get some stuff, obviously, because we want to get the team up to speed and it's their sort of day of acclimatisation and then they're in on Thursday uh, and it'll be... Uh, sorry, in on Friday when the show starts proper uh, and it'll just be full on, you know, from start to finish. So because there's less of us there, uh, they're going to be working hard. So uh, my heart goes out to them, but I know the buzz will happen. Anyway, so I suppose what I was trying to say is uh, we, there is an, uh, one thing that we are going to go and see. And I'm going to play this video. The problem is, as I noticed, the video is actually set up to be in uh, sort of 916, which is an upright. So when I play it, it's a bit stretched. This isn't what the synth looks like. All the knobs aren't, aren't elliptical. They're actually round. So I do apologise if it's a misrepresentation, but let's go. Just look at the knobs when they move. Oh, motorised knobs. This is from somebody called uh, Melbourne Instruments. It's called Nina. And it's a polyphonic synthesizer, morphing synthesizer. But instead of just the morph, they've actually gone for moving, i.e. motorised knobs, which is a bonkers idea. We have no other information apart from uh, we're going to go and see them as soon as we possibly can. But you see when he's turning the knobs, more than one is moving and they're moving automatically. Now, it seems like a crazy idea, to be honest. I mean, I don't think I've ever... Is there, is there another synth where there's automated, uh, motorised stuff? I can't think of one. Dave, you're the sort of more the synth historian. Do you, can you think of another one? I mean, this is... I hate to use the word unprecedented because it's banded around a bit, but I haven't... I don't think I've seen this before. This looks interesting. No, it's very interesting. I mean, we did it on Mini Monster in software, uh, and that was interesting in that we did a survey, uh, I don't know, sometime maybe a year ago or, or maybe longer, asking whether people used it, uh, and whether they used the XLFR and ADSR stuff. And it was very interesting because a lot of people came back saying, nope, don't use it, I just want it to sound like this. Uh, so yeah, I was really intrigued to see this. Uh, very, very interesting, particularly, I mean, how much is it? We don't know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, a motorised stuff. I mean, I've never seen a motorised knob. I don't know. They must be more expensive than faders just because they're less common. But, I, I mean, that's a guess. I don't know. No idea. Yeah, no, really fascinating. Because, I mean, they had it, didn't they? Did they what was that Yamaha um, desk that was used that had obviously motorised faders? But the idea of putting it on a synth, I think... Um, yeah, fascinating. And it's obviously got scenes that you can morph between. Yeah, and the, and the morphing is the morph. I mean, we've seen that the, there's the, the poly brute, which is, has morphing, but that's, you know, sort of behind the scenes, and that's analogue. And I know that is kind of difficult, so, I mean, just... I wonder if making it physical is... It, interesting idea, though, Matt, don't you? I mean, I don't know anything about Mel, uh, Melbourne no, Instruments. In fact, if you look at their at website, all. there's just nothing. <laughs> there's well, just I think, zero I think information. Well, I of it. It's, it's like the um, the marketing department, although it seems quite lo-fi, um, they've done a good job because it's got people talking about it. It's like, oh, what's this? Don't know anything about it. Don't know about the I.O. Don't know about its polyphony. Don't know anything. But we do know that the, the dials change. Hurrah! So everyone's going sort of intrigued by this. Um, That's it. Oh, That's the website. Screen? That's Melbourne all, Instruments that coming soon. With, yeah, brilliant. Coming brilliant. soon. That, well, I, I mean, it's like proper, <laughs> proper tease, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's just I been. Mean, um, yeah. I mean, I saw. I think I saw this on 
someone put it on Facebook and uh, Dom, Mr. Wiggly, I th- hope I'm saying this right. This is what Dom said, but I think he he mentioned in the past that he's anything he's had with motorized faders, he's had issues with. Not to say that he's suggesting this is rubbish by any means because um, they might have come up with a, a solution here to sort that out because, I mean, the only thing I've got with motorized faders is the Behringer BCR 2000. Uh, BCF 2000, the the fader, uh, eight banks of faders. As you scroll through them, they they flick, don't they? Yeah. But you know they're not they're not dials on a synth. Um, typically, you'd have the endless encoders, don't you? Um, yeah, with the really LED rings around them, maybe LED, LED rings, rings which, which, were... which is great because it gives you visual feedback on. I've loaded up my patch. I know where that filter cutoff is. Go to it. If you don't have that, I'm thinking of synths like. Uh, the Dave Smith stuff, for example, um, I think on most of theirs, isn't there? You know, you, it's got that thing where it does catch up on the dial as you turn it. Once you yeah, get, yeah, usually the place, can set it. You can usually in. set it how you whether it's catch up or pick up mode. It's uh, or yeah, pick or, up, yeah, direct. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wonder if they've come up with some cool technology where this is going to, you know, it's not going to break. It's it's quite interesting. I've, I have thought about in, when I first got into this. I thought about putting loads of elastic bands, stretching them around several dials and trying to pull the <laughs> elastic band to move lots of dials at once. Of course, you've got CV to do that for you, but some things are not CV controllable. And I thought that might be quite interesting, but I just broke loads of elastic bands. I tell you what would be interesting there is if you had knobs which had little teeth on them and then you had tiny little fan belts and then you could have your own module which was just CV to, yes. to step a motor. So you could yes. CV control the motor and then just da- yes. just move it to whatever control you want. Like that, guys. I love that. That's a, that is absolutely – that, like, just ping in – that's amazing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that could be done. That is so – Nick, that's amazing. Genius. Um, All right. But this looks – we're talking about this synth, but it does actually, I like the sound of it. It's super raw and I just straight away, it sounded yeah. kind of interesting to me because I just thought, oh yeah. You know, because if you've got motors, you want it to sort of be in some way like agricultural, you know, <laughs> you know, so you want it to sound like a tractor. Um, but I was kind of wondering what the, uh, you know, what the advantages of this would be. And I was thinking it'd be quite nice if they use like a kind of motion recorder. So every time, so if you you can grab any control, you could you could record movement and, and have it move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then because I mean, because you know, some things like how many actual parameters would you need to motivate? I mean, is it so? Is it the main idea? So if you change presets on it, all of the things change. Is that is is that its kind? Well, of- I think that, but I, I think it also morphs to a degree. There's some sort of morph because there's a guy who's turning a knob, yeah. and there's the morph between two pictures. But yeah, that I mean that idea of a little. It's almost like a, a CV recorder. I think again, Arturo used that in the uh, Polybrute where you could just go and you create. A- a single shape that can either cycle or play back at a certain speed and you assign that to another control. I mean, that would make sense. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There are, I, I should also say there are other examples of this. I mean, that was particularly gnarly, but there are some other ones and I think they're dropping some more sound examples as we come. But as I say, we're going to head there and hopefully we're going to be able to sneak into the hall mm. and get something on Thursday so we can get the scoop. I, but I, I mean, I just don't my, know. Uh, I've been in touch with the people. So my my concern, I don't know if you could actually find this out at NAM due to the sort of enormous noise floor there, but 
you know, uh, how quiet are those motors? Because, you know, like I had a mm. <laughs> Fourteen stepper motors, motors, stepper step motors do that. They've got those funny harmonics, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you can, when you're there, try and see if you can get one of them moving. Maybe it does audio rate. So it would just be like spinning <laughs> so fast. You probably yeah, you just can't see it. it. It looks like it's not moving at all. It's, well, the thing that I worry about, because faders, obviously the design of faders are designed so that when you touch them, the motor disengages, or the, the good ones should, so that you don't end up fighting yeah. and straining the motor. And I don't know how that would work with the knobs, because I've just never mm. seen a motorised knob on anything. I, I mean, I can't think of anything mm. that's got that. I'm just trying to think of, maybe the chat room could, uh, any, any, anybody in the chat room, any, any synthesizer that's got actual motorised knobs on, anybody? Let's have a look. I don't know if there is. I just can't think of one. So the only that might mean that... Of, the yeah. only thing I can think of, that it's not quite... Well, it's, a, it's that Chase Bliss pedal where it's like the reverb pedal and it's got fa it's got motorized faders on it but i mean right that's the closest thing but it's not it's not a motorized knob though motorized knobs yeah i don't know do you yeah chat room help anyone <laughs> yeah i'm not seeing anything yet but uh, maybe hmm. no i don't know i know i suppose the thing is, is if it's if it's an unusual part then it's not going to have the same, you know, I mean, faders have been made, motorized faders have been made for a very long time. So we've got technology there that's replaceable, yeah. serviceable, and it's also been in the field and tested. I mean, that's the thing that would worry me a little bit. But uh, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait to try it out. It looks, it's got a kitten, an octave kind of vibe to it, don't you think, Dave? A little bit of an octave, octave cat, yeah, octave yeah. kitten sort of, yeah, sort of look. Anyway, not not quite the same, but yeah, I like, I like the way it uh, it looks. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, that, that's it. That, that's the first. That's the sort of the first Nam uh, um, kind of what? What is it? Uh, um, what's the word? Tease product tease. I mean, which is good because when we first started organising and wondering whether we were going to go to Nam. We went through this whole thing where we were given this sort of huge database of all the people that were going to NAM, and sort of probably thirty percent of those people said, "No, we're no, we're not going. We shouldn't be in the database." So we're thinking, "Oh my goodness, there's going to be nothing there." But there is, so it's going to be good, and maybe that means that some of the usual suspects who kind of tend to get all the thunder will be further back, and then you know, like Roland aren't going to be there, so they won't take you know. So there be there will be actual kind of new stuff coming coming through, which is always nice to see the things that you weren't expecting. It doesn't happen so often, and this is sort of one of those examples. So it's kind of good, I think. Um, okay, I'm just going to have a quick word from our friends over at Isotope, uh, and uh, they'll tell you about the uh, subscriptions. I'll see you in a minute. Isotope Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs, and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, 
head to isotope.com. Uh, once again, we thank them for their support. And uh, you will notice that uh, there is also a page that you can go to. I think, does that work? No, it doesn't work anymore. But uh, isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk. There's a specific landing page. Look, they've even gone to the trouble of photographing somebody listening to the Sonic Talk podcast on a phone. Isn't that kind? Uh, and so, yes, if you use the code SONIC10, you can claim 10% off any purchase on Isotope, which is actually pretty cool. And that includes deals, not hardware or bundles, though. Okay. Okay, um, let's see where we are. So, um, oh, I think we've got, uh, we have, oh, Wagyu, thank you very much for the super sticker. Very kind of you. Um, let's see what we're going to next. I'm just going to rewind a bit. Uh, we are, oh, yeah, there is another synth, uh, which is, again, um, another one just for now. And we, we have booked an appointment for this one. So let's see if, what you think. This is the Groove Synthesis Third Wave, which seems very much geared or aimed at the old PPG's vibe. It's actually a 24-voice, four-part multi-timbral, so you can have four independent six-voice synthesizers. Uh, it's got filter, analog filters and wavetables. It looks like, I, th I think it's, I don't know how much it is, I think it's about three grand-ish, so it's, it's not excessive given the time. Uh, that looks like J3PO doing a bit of demoing. So yeah, new company, uh, new synthesizer. Interesting. I, I'm not. I'm, I, I think a lot of people hold the PPG in really high esteem. For me, it didn't kind of. It's not really on my on my radar so much. It, I, I guess I didn't really ever get my hands on one, and maybe I didn't get into the music that was particularly heavy on PPGs. I don't know, uh, Matt. I mm. guess this is probably not your bag, but you know, more yeah. wavetable. I mean, it's a proper proper synth. It is a proper yeah for proper synth, proper musicians, not people like me who's running away from music <laughs> all the time with this kind of thing. Um, but um, I'm a bit like you, Nick. I this one passed me by, even with some of the software versions. I remember who did a software version of this ages ages ago. Uh, Wolfgang oh, Palm, wasn't it? PPG was it? Maybe did, I think it was. Yeah, um, and I used to have that and. I didn't really use it much then either. I don't know why, um, but I always remember looking at it and thinking, oh, that's the blue one. Um, I must have a play with that sometime. <laughs> and uh, I think that's maybe why this company is bringing one out because it's it's probably not been on too many people's radar. I'm, I'm, speak I'm really speaking for myself, but you just said it too, Nick. So I'm, I'm wondering if they've spotted this gap in the market. Um, it is, as I understand it, uh, I mean, Dave probably knows much more about this than I do. It's it it is based around wavetable synthesis, I believe, uh, and that's kind of all that I know about it. And and that it's blue. I think it was the, the original. <laughs> it was the original wavetable synthesizer, I believe. Uh, Dave's nodding there, so I, I think that's the case. Uh, I'll come to you, Dave. Actually, if that's all right, no, don't mean to cut you off, Matt. Um, did, no, it's did, fine. Have you got PPG in your arsenal? Is that one that you, I don't remember seeing one? <laughs> no. I oh, think I okay. was ruined. I was ruined on PPGs because it was about when they started happening. It was about the same time I was touring with bands, and they were just a nightmare to sit. You know, within the PA, they you know everything was bright and kind of belly, and it just kind of it was like mm. being kind of cut with a razor blade a lot of the time. Uh, so I kind of yeah, I didn't. It didn't do it for me. 
it was interesting because obviously Rick Smith used PPG with Fur and early unders a lot. In fact, when Gaz did the Carl tour, I remember Carl calling me up going, there's this sound on a PPG, yeah. where can we get it? And I was like, well, just get the software. It's, it's on there. It's a preset. I think what's interesting, I, I, I did, my ears did prick up on this. And I think the idea of the four-part multi-timbral uh, timbrality is really cool because actually if it allows you to layer, and it certainly sounded like that from the demos, if it allows you to kind of layer stuff, it has more of a kind of three-dimensional thing, whereas for me it was, you know, the PPG was very kind of one-dimensional and very good at one thing. I mean, people used to, it was a bit like that. Remember that, well, I've got, it's not here, but it's at the studio, the JD800 where you could kind of, it had all the waveforms and you just turn that knob, record it all as, in fact, I think it was SysX, and then you'd get these kind of wild and wacky sounds. And I know that's what a lot of people use the uh, 2.2 and 2.3.4. I did use the wave term on a session, which was awful. I mean, it just kept going down. <laughs> very photogenic. They were very photogenic, minutes. weren't they? That's the thing about the wave term. Uh, they were, you always saw people on top of the pops of them because they looked so impressive. It wasn't a fair light, mm. but it had a pen and it had an FFT display from what I remember. Big floppies. So, so Dave, are we right in thinking that these are very much for sort of a lot of top-end twinkly stuff? They're not so good down in the low like doing mad bassy sound pads kind no, of think, stuff. It's, I think the PPG, I think the PPGs, the PPGs used to do, there were some classic basses as well. It's just the top is end that's particularly bright. It's because okay. uh, I think, uh, on the, uh, and this isn't a PPG, I would like to point out. I suspect yeah, sure. this has got a completely different architecture. You know, to, uh, there's a lot more control, but the PP, there's some classic PPG bass sounds, aren't there? I mean, I'm pretty sure propaganda and all that yeah, they generally got used for the kind of more mids and highs because it was the sort of antithesis of analog stuff, you know, in those kind of early days of MIDI. I remember going into a studio and one artist going, so what does this MIDI do? And, you know, in its fundamental form, it's like you can connect this synth to that synth. And then they start layering stuff up and it was just like, ah, OK. So I think it kind of got adopted for that kind of area of the sort of sonic spectrum. Right, uh, but certainly live through a giant PA, it was like, whoa, 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 turn it down. But this was a really good demo. In fact, I like this guy's demos. He did one for yeah. the, um, OBX8. And I was like, yeah, it feels... Yeah. I always judge everything by feel, and it, to me it just kind of felt like a thing. Yeah, I know thing. what you're saying. Well, that J3PO, in fact, we've got a, a date with uh, him to demo the OBX8, which I'm really looking forward to because he's a great player. So that's it. Uh, yeah. Guys, we, we covered like some of those Wolfgang. I mean, Wolfgang Palm was sort of, the, the I guess, the father of Wavetable in many ways. Was he the PPG guy? Yeah. I can't remember now. He yes, was, he wasn't was, he? was, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then really embraced iOS as a platform to kind of further his ideas. And those iOS apps, which I'm not sure if they still, I'm going to have a look on my, to see if you can still get them from the App Store. Um, but they were really sophisticated and some very interesting ideas. So, uh, you know, if you were to follow his progression from PPG through, those iPad apps were the kind of, I guess, where he'd kind of got to with his uh, with his ideas. Because, you know, he... he um, 
he was behind Plex, wasn't he? The idea of using like the f- you know co- l- combining two you know parts of s- different I- instruments together, and um, so very interesting guy. Anyway, but this synth though, I think uh, looks um, there's a few things about it. I was kind of going, oh yeah, I like the look of this. Um, Wavetables have been something that I've been spending a lot of time with this year. I've definitely, this is the year of Wavetables for me, uh, for various reasons. Um, the, uh, the the spherical wavetable navigator is central in my uh, live modular rig, which is a very interesting approach to wavetables. And of course, we did the review, uh, I think, uh, wherever it is, uh, the little, oh, here. <clears throat> They're so the small, you can just... You can lose some, yeah. I've lost really it. Lose. It's down the back of the sofa. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think wavetables, well, Nave, the Waldorf iOS app. That's the one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then that wave really evolved into the quantum really there's a definite yeah there's a definite path there uh so there's a certain there's a definite um and it's all germanic isn't it um, development of this of these of these ideas uh so this synth though it does look like it's um like uh like it's going to really appeal to people you know 61 keys um it's going to really appeal to people f- who love 80s music basically the demo i thought wow this is um if i i almost feel that ppg sound is more 80s than the dx7 in some ways or you know mm. for like you know just such an absolute defining sound um however i think wavetables and being able to manipulate them and uh, explore what you can do with wavetables still has so much amazing potential uh, and i think this is why well it's like I, it's like west coast complex oscillators and folding it's just you get these all these really oh, unusual harmonics yeah. on and it's down to the yeah. interpolation on the wavetables obviously the original ppg yes. had rubbish wave to, uh, per, per, um, interpolation whereas these modern ones are amazing i wonder though if that was that bad interpolate, interpolation was why uh, they sounded so kind of, there was a kind of gritty sound to the mm. brightness as well. Um, I was talking to Rick, the, the, the story that Dave was mentioning there, um, we were trying to recreate a sound from Fur's, um amazing Doot Doot song. And um, we were talking about it recently and I, I asked Rick about it and he said, oh, the thing about those PPGs was it's just, He's never heard anything come close to that sound. So right. Um, so so the early, it's I mean, got to be the early A to D's, uh, D to A's, isn't yeah, it? And that sort of stuff. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. So I'd be interested to see with this synth if it's just blue uh, as a nod to the PPG, or, or whether it kind of has different ways of. You know, I think it's. I think it's going to be taking things a lot further. Definitely. I mean, look, uh, yeah. I'll, we'll find out because we're going to go and but see with, it as soon with as possible. Sam- variable sample rates and things like that. You know. Mm. You know I've just got to give a shout out to Andrew Brooks in the YouTube chat who said uh, he just Googled and PPG stands for Palm Product GmbH, <laughs> which is obviously <laughs> the name of the German company. So obviously it was Wolfgang Palm. I, 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 I uh, um, apologize for my ignorance. But uh, yeah, um, we're looking. I don't know when it's going to become available. I think they'll be making them. I mean, I've been in contact with the company. They they were talking about getting one over to the UK. So um, hopefully we'll get a chance to, to have a look at that as well. So we'll, we'll have to see. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, right, well, gosh. Um, so there's our two NAM, uh, two of the NAM things. Uh, what, where should we go next? I think, um, well, I guess we could go, we could go full on 80s uh, if we like, just because I know Dave might have something to say about this. Let's, let's go, uh, let's go here. Uh, I think this is the button I want to press. Oh, it's number five, isn't it? Iconic Instruments proudly introduces the Iconic 5 for Contact and the Free Contact Player, the first truly faithful software homage to the most iconic drum synthesizer of the 1980s. This milestone unit defines... I've got to say, so yeah, this is Iconic Instruments, uh, uh, Icon 5, uh, Iconic 5, or V, which is basically a contact instrument, uh, eight original kits, it uses, um, I thought I posted that stuff in there, oh, maybe I didn't, oh well, never mind, um, it, 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 it uh, uses, uh, I believe, Contact 6.7, uh, works in the free, uh, the other flavor, and this is, this is one of those things, it's like, whenever, I, there was a question that went around on Facebook recently, it's like, oh, has anyone got a Simmons kit, and you go, oh, I have, because I've got an SDS, seven or eight i forget which one it is but the five is the one the five is the one that nobody has anymore it's analog it's 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 a beautiful thing but i know that dave has one or some of the modules they do mention the fact that the hi-hat and the symbol module you've got the you've got the hi-hat and symbol modules as well Ooh, yeah is it yeah. is it still breaking speaker cones in uh, your neck of the woods it's unbelievable i mean honestly it's unbelievable i think what was funny is so for years i mean i i bought and played an SDS-5 when it first came out, and that was my kit. Uh, I used a real snare and obviously real hi-hats and stuff. Uh, in fact, I originally only had the little five-piece. Uh, and it was amazing. It, it, I, I think it may have conspired to help get us a deal, because you could play small clubs with a, you know, a half-decent PA system, and the drums sounded good. You could make them kind of sit within the context of the band. Uh, and I do remember doing a showcase and the A&R guy coming up afterwards and going, it's the most professional band I've ever heard. And I was like, yeah, it's the Simmons, isn't it? It's definitely the Simmons and the bass player. Um, but I've always been obsessed with this. Uh, what we used to do is do things like take the, um, put elongate the decay and stop the bend. And then you'd CV it up and you'd put that under a keyboard bass and it would just blow holes in the walls. And what was funny is, of course, when Chris and I first got together, Chris had just finished uh, ABWH tour where Bruford had been using the SDX. So whenever I talked about the Simmons, referring to the five, Chris would just go, hate it. It sounds like a road drill, no dynamics whatsoever, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually I brought it into the room and played it to him. And he was like, that's not the Simmons I know. And of course the SDX was sample based and whatnot. So yeah, I I love the SDS five honestly, and it's got um for the real nerds out there, it's SSM filters. They're twenty forties or twenty forty fours, so it's balls. And then it lost those filters for the SDS seven, which was the next one, and then came the eight and the nine and whatnot. In fact, somebody sent so, me a link to an SDS nine the other day. Yeah, mine's the, the five is one. the one. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I would no. like. I, I don't know. I, I mean, Matt, I, I imagine that some of these modules, some of these sounds would really suit the stuff that you're doing. I mean, it did seem in those demos that a lot of it, I was just thinking, yeah, those are the drum fills from Billy Ocean, Jennifer Ward, all, all these sort of quite <laughs> cheesy sort of tracks. But underneath it all is this bass drum that just sort of has got, I think the bass yeah. drum is the one. 
Yeah, well, I'm glad they just mentioned about that because I was going to ask how much you can get out of this bass drum. So I think you just mentioned you just elongate the decay as long as you can, sit it underneath things, and it's just it's just massive. It's unbelievable. Um, I mean, it is unbelievable. Yeah. We've popped tweeters left, right, and uh, sorry, pop subs left, right, and center using them. They go yeah. into kind of safety mode a lot. And I'm, in a I'm, club, I'm if, um, when you take that mix into a club, it's like. Oh, Blows everybody I mean, away. I, I just want a set of the the red pads. I just think they look really cool. Um, and I'm wondering, do, got are they not selling them? Are they missing out on a trick here by no? You can them you can you can buy you can buy the pads quite easily. It's the brains that are quite hard to come you? by. I've got a couple of sets. I've got some silver ones and some black ones. I've got a full kit. Oh, I've got a, a five piece kit, uh, um, which I, you know, and I just I wanted. I just sort of felt I ought to have a Simmons kit because it's so iconic. I would like a red one. Maybe I'll get them resprayed. Yeah, interesting. Well, I, mean, um, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how many. Sorry. I was no, I was just yeah. I mean, I think you've got to get red ones for a start. Um, I was just looking at this. It looks to me like it, uh, it's a faithful reproduction. Um, I'm not sure if they've gone above and beyond and stretched it from its, you know, from what it could originally do. Except for you've got you got the compression, the, the drive, and the EQ, and and that kind of thing as part of the mixer side of stuff. But um, what is it? Seventy nine dollars. Um, yeah, and it's, it's a faithful not, reproduction, not exactly. and it's it it sounds great. If that's the sound that you want, this is the thing to get, isn't it? I think so. I think it's the toms probably have limited. I don't know, Gaz. I I, I would I'm, I would put to you that perhaps there's room for Simmons toms in Prague, surely. Well, I mean, <laughs> Dave mentioned the ABWH, uh, the Anderson Bruford Waitman and Howe album that came out late eighties, and because uh, Bill Bruford was, uh, you know, who is the greatest prog drummer of, of, of all. Um, I mean, he was really a jazz drummer, really, and he got more into the jazz thing later on, but he also embraced electronic drums and jazz. I don't know that many players who were doing that, but of course you've got this really weird thing of trying to match dynamic, you know, jazz is all of very much acoustic dynamics. So um, the, the, Simmons, you know, getting the kind of the, the, the dynamics to kind of flow with jazz. I just am not sure it ever particularly worked very well. But uh, on that, uh, so there was Earthworks albums um, that Bill Bruford was doing was... Uh, well, King Crimson stuff as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the King Crimson stuff, yeah. The Thrack album, I think he probably maybe was playing still the Simmons on the Thrack album. Uh, but the Anderson, Bruford, Waitman and Howe album is is quite an interesting one though because it's that production in a way is so of its time and if you listen I, I've been listening to it recently and uh, the kind of electronic drums it, it it sounds really dated in some ways but then if you listen to it in really high quality like out the studio monitors it still sounds really kind of futuristic and the kind of Simmons <laughs> I've got this like amazing optimistic quality to them that, uh, yeah. So just oh, interesting yeah, that this, this, I liked his earthwork stuff. You did? I, yeah, no, I did. I thought, uh, cause he, bizarrely, I, I, I did, I worked with him for a year and a half, uh, but he used, he had that Simmons MTM, which was MIDI trigger MIDI. 
and they would hook that up to it was like a dx21 or 11 or something like that and that's where those kind of really nice um on the earthworks album almost like steel drum sounds come from yeah i thought that was a really good there was one earthworks album i forget what my heart declares a holiday i remember the name of that track and i just thought that worked although i could tell you really bad so i did a sample cd cd rom <laughs> midi thing and he used to come to the studio every friday bill used to come to the studio and he would um but louise was pregnant at the time i'll tell you how long ago it was uh and I would do all this kind of work and then he'd come and assess what I'd done on the Friday. And uh, I was a drummer, obviously, thought I was okay, obviously not in Bill's category at all. But it was so funny because I'd marked various stuff, you know, the stuff I thought was great, I marked blue. And the stuff I thought wasn't up to snuff, I marked red. And he came up one day and he sat there and he said, you know what, he said, so many people have tried to analyse my drumming over the years. And I feel like we have this affinity as drummers because you clearly understand my drumming because everything you've marked red is amazing and everything you've marked blue <laughs> is no good. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I'll just oh, keep quiet at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep quiet. Yeah, oh, nice one. Uh, I should interject here. We we do have a, another a partner to, uh, to to bring in, so I do need to uh, just play this one. But uh, we'll be back for more just after this message. Yes, of course, Baby Audio. They make uh, creative effects plugins designed to add colour and depth to your mixes. They won Plugin of the Year 2021 in Future Music and Computer Music Magazine and nominated for the SOS Awards two years in a row. Try Spaced Out, for instance, a modern interpretation of the space echo effect using delay, reverb and modulation to creative workflow. Named Plugin of the Year by Future Music and Computer Music Magazine uh, for that plugin. Uh, get 15% off when checking out with the code ST15. That's the code ST15. I'll get you 15% off when you check out at Baby Audio and you buy any of their stuff. And of course, they're a sponsor of NAM as well, which is uh, always worth mentioning. Anyway, thanks to them very much for uh, their support. So, yeah, uh, there was another aside. I was going to say it, but it went by in the chat room, which is obviously the early, um, the early Simmons drums. The, 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 the plastic they used was the same plastic that was used in police riot shields at the time uh, in the UK, and they were really bad for your wrists. I think they went a bit softer. The ones I've got, I've got a set of those, and I've also got a set of the, the ones which were, um, which were not, which were a bit more bouncy. Anyway, let's see what I had. The next. fives, I had the fives, which were the riot shields. And then I remember taking it up to Simmons and they replaced the riot shield stuff with the um, with the rubber and they, and it just didn't have the same kind of dynamic response for me. It was really, really strange. So I ended up kind of porting them back. But it was like the oh, triggers. Didn't they use the triggers for like bomb making and stuff like that? There's a there's a weird fact. Yeah, lots of yeah, watch <laughs> list. quite possibly. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, I don't know uh, where to go next. One, one, very, very, very brief them. thing. Uh, there is, on, on the Simmons thing, there is uh, a plugin out there called Hexdrum, which I do use, uh, which is very good. Very good. Anyway, so if anyone's looking, you've now got two options. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I wasn't sure where to go next. Uh, do we have any uh, show of hands? Perhaps we've got uh, Look Among No Computer. We've got uh, the uh, Dynamic Grading and we've got the uh, Beats FM. Where would we like to go? So if I say uh, Look Among No Computer organ, which I think is kind of bonkers. Uh, nobody's, nobody's interested in that. That's bizarre. Okay, we'll, we'll save that for next yeah, week. Yeah, no, I like also, that. 
Okay, we'll do that one then and see what do we've it. got left. So here we go. This is this is this is bonkers. So it's about six o'clock. We are driving all the way across England to get to Bristol to pick up something. One thing that I bought that is a little bit a little bit silly, but I think it's got some legs. Well, it hasn't literally got legs, but we'll talk about that in a bit. So the story for this starts about a year ago when uh, there was a little bit of a viral post uh, on a bunch of blogs and stuff about a house that was for sale in Bristol, and it had quite a bit of a difference to your normal house like literally a church organ was built into this house the story goes yeah, this is great. So look, man, no computer bought the organ, and he says in that he's driving there in a, I guess it must be a box van because it, it's got to be because when you see the size, it's worth watching the whole video. It's insane. So basically, I've, I'll, I'll bring up the web page because I found the news item for the BBC news item. Let's see if it'll. Uh if it'll load, yeah, here we go. Uh, this probably load. So eccentric Brit. Oh no, just just show me the web page. So um, I gotta scroll down. Oh damn, browser. Yeah. So this is the house. Uh, this is the house in Cliftwood, Br Bristol. Uh, Joan Baker, 98, was an organist at the local church. Her husband made uh, made the organ. Well, actually, the story is I get the. She was an organist at the local, I think it was the Trinity, which might have been the original Trinity, which is now a venue. That had an organ in it. She was the organist. They they changed it into something else, change of use, and she, her husband, <laughs> bless him, decided to take the organ out so she could continue to play it and build it into this tiny... I mean, look, look at this house. This is the house that it's in. See if I could scroll down. It's just hilarious. So this, there's this full organ in this house. Right. <laughs> so it's, and it's worth just seeing. So look, my no computer is like, it's extracting all of this stuff from building this house where they've got kind of pipes going up the chimney. There are sort of things going through the floor. I mean, it's absolutely insane. First of all, there are two issues to this. One is, wow, what a, I mean, more people in the world like the lady and her husband who did this i wonder what the neighbors thought and yeah. what's the craziest extraction gig you you've ever had to buy i'll come to you guys i mean you're in bristol did you did you know about this yeah i knew about it when it was on the market because uh, the fantasy orchestra they who i sometimes play with um they just sort of shared it and and there was a sort of almost uh you know people can the fantasy orchestra num numbers quite a quite a lot 50 60 people so there was like a little idea possibly going about buying the house just to kind of use the house as a uh, like a, a a base for the fantasy orchestra you know so they can annoy the neighbors even more have a full orchestral rehearsal in the house with the organ too uh, but that sadly never came and but i mean i was uh, i was really hoping whoever bought the house was going to keep the organ in there um and then, and then I didn't know what had happened to it. So when when Sam turns up, having bought it, it was just like yes, yeah. amazing. Of all the people, it had to be him. It's people. brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. I've I've, ju I've just got to add this little quote here. Uh, her neighbour Dick Willis said she would sit in there on the half landing and play the organ, and her husband Ronald would stand on the half landing below and play the trumpet. <laughs> 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 on a Sunday morning at six o'clock, what a fantastic! I want to be that. I wish I had been their neighbours or in the vicinity. It's great. This is great, isn't it, Matt? It's just kind a fantastic. Of reminds thing. me, kind of reminds me a little bit of like you know Joe Meek is set up in his house where yeah. obviously you know it was. I think it was above a, a carpet shop or something like that, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, I can. Whenever I read stories about him recording in his flat with people in the corridors and in the living rooms and that sort of stuff. That's exactly the sort of images I get. People stood on a half landing sort of playing a trumpet <laughs> or guitar, guitar amps in the toilet or something like that, you know, that sort of thing. 
Love it. Absolutely love it. We need more people like this on Earth, but I wouldn't want to live next to him. I mean, it's probably bad enough living next door to me, but living next door to them, yeah. no thanks. The whole house would be vibrate. I don't know, Dave. It's just, it sort of makes you want to have a self-build and just put something like that in it just because, right? Totally, totally. I love this essentiality. I absolutely adore it. I think what kind of, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, when I saw the backstory, I was like, oh, my God. And then he was taking it apart, and I was thinking, how are you going to get this back together again? I mean, it didn't look like they were recording, you know, where things, I mean, when he was dismantling various pipes and whatnot, it was just like, oh, my word. But, yeah, hats off. Utterly, utterly brilliant. I'd love to do something like that, but I have a feeling I'd be divorced very quickly if uh, it happened. <laughs> Oh, it, it is actually. I mean, I'm good. I, I, I guess he's going to put it in his. Uh, um, uh, is it the music of ob the museum of obsolescent? I can't remember what this museum's called. In uh, it's over on the east east coast, isn't it? I forget where it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, I want to go down. This there, and I really want. Yeah, I would like to go as well. I, I, I would. We will definitely make a road trip there at some point. But the next question that this brought up is: What's the maddest or the longest distance or the most lengths you've you've gone to to collect something that you've bought, maybe even sight unseen? And I'll come to you first Gaz just have you got any uh, got any nuggets in there flipping heck um oh gosh oh I'm on the spot now um, no that's alright if anyone else has got one well, you, you can think about it for a bit longer I'll, I'll tell you what I'll start with with one that I did I, I, because back in the days when I, well, I was buying synthesizers I remember there were two they weren't really it wasn't really all that all that kind of outrageous in fact I suppose I just I just my mum drove me to Plymouth to buy a Jeep a second hand Jeep at a four uh, and that felt like a really in a Morris Traveller but the other one was when I bought my first synthesizer which was an MS-10 and I got on the, I went on the train to uh, Leightonstone. I uh, forget the name of the music shop. Maybe ABC Music, one of those music stores there. And I went all the way out there, and I bought. I came back with a box, and I just remember it was it was in the box, and it was really awkward to carry. And I remember carrying it for what felt like hours. It was miles away from the tube station, and then getting it back to Bath. I had to I, rather than get on the bus, I walked all the way back to my house from the, the the bus station or the railway station with it in my arms. And I just remember then subsequently having to carry it. To rehearsals in this box and it was like you know it was just really uh, uncomfortable and difficult thing to move around and that was just an ms10 so it's not a very thrilling story but that's about the best i can do uh, dave i suspect you've probably got loads because you've got so many synths that must have been you know sourced from all over the place yeah but nothing mental that i did uh i suppose the the silliest thing I did was rented an SH-1000 back in the day from Anderton's in Guildford, and I rode down on my Yamaha FS-1E and bungee-corded it Fizzer. to the back and and came back, yeah, my fizzy, and uh, came back that way. That was a, almost a recipe for utter catastrophe. I think the maddest thing I've ever done when buying something, it's not musical, I bought a, I bought a life-size Playmobil astronaut in Germany. In fact, a friend of mine bought it in Germany and we decided to drive to Germany because I kept trying to get it back, you know, and it was like nobody wanted to touch it because it was Frank Oh, was that the Playmobil? The Playmobil oh. figure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Alan. Yeah, yeah. Alan. Life size. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's massive. Absolutely. It was the son I never still had. still got it. And... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never get rid of him. Uh, but yeah, it was it was mad because I kept ringing up like airlines, going, "Look, if I fly over to Mannheim or wherever it was, uh, can I bring back a 
it's not a real person, but if I buy a seat, can I get, and it's a life size, and they just used to put the phone down on me. So in the end, it was better that we drove, and we were really paranoid driving back through customs because I was like, we're going to get stopped because it's, you know, the perfect thing to hide a load of contraband in. But I remember the line was, if we get pulled, we just say to him, he's completely legal, he's not a cosmonaut, he's an astronaut. But we just sailed straight through. But yeah, that's the maddest thing I did. But that was great because we tied that in with a visit to Playmobil land. I used to do, well, you know, I used to do all these animations with my daughter every Christmas, which were Playmobil. We just had this idea of getting a giant astronaut and then shrinking it down to a little one. But so, yeah, nothing musical. Andy Shilito, I think, takes the biscuit for me. Andy, who's been on a couple of times, uh, is front of house guy for The Darkness. Uh, I can probably say this. He bought the Genesis deck. They bought the Genesis SSL and then had to move it out of the studio. And he said driving that back to Norfolk was the most terrifying drive ever. Wow. Uh, but I don't think they hung on to it. I think they passed it on to some guy in Essex who's now selling it for some absolutely astronomical sum of money. I'm just trying to find the uh, Playmobil Astronaut. here. Yeah, I'm just trying to... So do you get a sense of perhaps what size we're talking about? I'm sure <laughs> I just saw one here. Yeah. Things. yeah, I'm just looking It was on the, eBay uh, and uh, a mate of mine hit me up and just said, hey, because we used to send the animations over to his kids and stuff. Yeah. There's Playmoland, I think. That yeah, that's that size. the coolest so that... place on Earth. Yeah. Right, there we go. <laughs> it's, uh -huh. it's, it's not the astronaut. Same size as... Actually, yeah, it's, in a, it's in a lock-up at the minute, and if you open the lock-up door, he just stares at you, and honestly, the amount of times I've opened the door and people have jumped out of their skin. <laughs> it's always good value. Oh, there he uh, is. I like the son. idea. I've got, I've got an astronaut in my lock-up. Astronaut in the lock-up is currently the topic, the show favourites. <laughs> so, uh, astronaut in the lock-up. Okay, in the lock-up is the show title right there. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, uh, Gaz, have you got anything? Well, I, I mean, I, was, I remember one time way back, way, way back in the 1990s when, um, like, we used to pour over the, this, like, yellow free ads that used to come out, you know, sort of yeah. looking in, you know, to see uh, what was the sale. And, uh, and there was a Yamaha, I think, CS40, and it was, like, 50 quid or something and I, my friend frank got really excited about it and it was a long way it was a really long way to go so uh, but he was like oh yeah it's unbelievable you can't you know this is unbelievable you know this is just 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 the early days of the internet so you know um anyway we drove there and uh we went it's a fairly normal house and we went into into the in the hallway and then and the guy opened the door to reveal the synth on the table, and it was a CSO one. Oh, we were so <laughs> we were so crestfallen, and, uh, and uh, you know we expected this big analog synth, and there was this little thing. Um, uh, but you know, stupidly, we didn't buy it. We didn't buy it, which is which is well. one of those regrets now because they are actually well, fantastic I can, I can understand how that would be disappointing Matt it have was. you got anything I guess mod module I, I don't know whether I, I mean modules I may have guessed maybe but uh, any no, kind of um, rash <laughs> no a bit like you I, I remember carrying home an MS-20 on the on the bus that was that was a bit of an arm ache um, an old mate of mine he won a drum kit off eBay hired a van went to pick it up 
and opened the door and it was um instead of an adult's one it was a child's one you know like one that you get from argos time <laughs> and he'd hide this massive van to put it in um and he was <laughs> he was a bit like oh yeah i probably should have read the description um oh, but no that i think that's kind of kind of it i mean i've had people travel a long way to pick stuff up for me when i sold my juno 60 why did i do that Oh no, it was Juno 106 and these couple of lads drove, I think, from Edinburgh to pick it up. And I remember them looking at me like, because I must have been selling it for way less than it was worth. And they were just looking at me like, Are you sure you want to sell this for this much money? I'm like, yeah, you know, it works. It's fine. Oh. You know, take it away. I'm not trying to scam you. And then, of course, uh, as they were as they were driving off with it, I thought, I better just go see how much are these actually going for? <laughs> And I was like, oh, and it was more ah, uh, ouch. Yeah. I had a uh, a, a 1960s uh, Rogers American Rogers drum kit, jazz drum kit in uh, red marble, which was it was the sound of the Meters and James Brown. It was that, and, and it, uh, the original the original this is the American Rogers. They had two different head sizes. The Americans one had really odd head sizes, and uh, it was a beautiful. It was a, a four piece, and it had the original hi hat pedal and bass drum pedal, and I. I'd stored it under the under the stairs for ages, and I'd I'd left. I hadn't loosened the skins off properly, and it pulled the lugs out. And I, I was I was, so I assumed it was worthless, and I sold it to this guy for four hundred quid. And I subsequently found out the snare alone was worth that, and uh, I completely yeah. uh, I completely conned myself out of yeah. And that because I used to have I had a, the nineteen seventies. I've still got the nineteen seventies Fender Music uh, Man or Master short scale. Passive bass. Oh, uh, I've still got a 1960s. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Burns London split sound, which is a guitar from my youth. Some people in a band that I was with. In fact, I met him the, the weekend, and he still wants me to sell it back to him. I had that, and I had the jazz drum kit. So I had the, the the kind of almost the sort of the meters trio of for, for. And I used to sample the drum kit quite a lot for for beats with one mic. And uh, I just remember, uh, I, I wish I still had it. It's a lovely thing, but uh, hey, that's the way it goes. You can't can't have everything. And sometimes you have nothing, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, um, I don't know if there's time for one more. I don't know how you're all doing for time. We could uh, possibly uh, look at another one if anybody is interested. Uh, the Beats FM, should we do the Beats FM thing? All right, uh, I, have I got the... Uh, let me see, did I, did I get... Momento in cui lui finalmente sperimenta cosa vuol dire avere una famiglia e poi però viene ritrovata la zia che appunto è bianca non piaceva l'idea che un ragazzino bianco potesse stare con una famiglia era se ne è portato via quindi è dato questo sconto e non è assolutamente orientata alla I have to admit, Gaz, when I saw this, I thought, oh, it sounds really interesting, but then I heard absolutely nothing from it that made me think, I yeah, must I have this. I, I was yeah. just kind of like, um, where's the where's the thing that made them go, you know what, we really should make this. It may, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, it's just, maybe it just doesn't work for me, but you're the one who brought it up and wanted to see it. What is it? That, <laughs> is, is it just a curiosity or is there something about it you absolutely must have? Um, 
Well, you know, <laughs> if you use the OP1 and you use it with the aerial and then like messing with the sampling directly from the radio is a lot of fun. Um, this one, it's got FM, but it's also got shortwave as well. Sort of. So really the oscillator, this is a synth, an analog synth where the, uh, with a digital delay, but the oscillator is an FM radio. Um, and so the idea of that is quite, is quite curious, but I mean, it's entirely dependent on a whole bunch of things. Um, obviously, copyright I being one of them, presumably. Copyright, copyright <laughs> being a huge one. It's like, you know, if you tuned into Radio 3, you're more than likely to have some music going on. Uh, and then you could do some quite interesting things, I think. But there's no sample buffer or anything on this either. So you literally are just... Mm. Um, <laughs> so you know, Your track can only last... <laughs> well, you have to record it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. However, I reckon you'd be able to get some amazing stuff out of it, but, you know, but don't take it and use it live, for instance. It's just, it, it's going to be so variable, isn't it? I mean, other than just getting the same old kind of sort of LFO noise kind of thing. Yeah, well, I thought, because uh, on, on shortwave, you could often get some real uh, interesting telemetry type stuff, which would be a constant sort of noise. You can pick up satellite and, and radio, you know, all sorts of stuff. That's I know, that's, uh, got any modules that uh, pick up radio frequency intentionally? No, but I've, I've always done this kind of thing. I've got, I've got a little crappy little radio over here with a line out on it, which I would often sample into things uh, or gate um you know inside of here or record i used to record a lot of radio into granular synths i found that that worked quite well as the voice oh yeah yeah element of of that if you can imagine because it, it is so kind of varied the way as it's scanning through it as is just chucking like a beatles song in a granular synthesizer and, and playing playing with that as well um but um i was a bit like you nick it's an interesting one but I, there wasn't anything that sh- jumped out at me as if like oh they've got so many out what i think would have been cool is if there was and i think gaz just said this it's not there it's some kind of sample buffer so you could at least loop a section so you've got actually something continual as a loop rather than it always forever changing but i guess that's its thing that's that's what it's designed to do um yeah, I guess so. I, I think if, if, it had a, if it had a grain module where you could just kind of take it in and then mess around with it, that would make a lot of sense. I think you're right there, yeah. but uh, it doesn't. In fact, one of the workflows they suggest is record it into your workstation, then slice it up and then play it back on a sampler. It's like, well, but I could do that with just by plugging a, ra- a radio into a sound card That's and it. having some real-time effects on it. It doesn't seem to... I guess, you know, obviously the, you, you're going to have the, uh, the UI, which is obviously another thing. Dave, um, it's. It, I was trying to struggle for a a, a reason to, um, to to lust after this, and I, I'm afraid I couldn't find it. How about you? Uh, yeah. At first, I was like, oh yeah, because bizarrely, another unders reference. Rick Smith used to sample, uh, put the shortwave radio. Sorry, not sample it. Put shortwave radio through a 2600, and that would give some interesting little textures and stuff like that. So I was kind of mm. like, oh yeah, cool. And actually, what was interesting was. He's obviously using the FM uh, band, and I was like, "Oh, it's kind of it's it's not gnarly and old enough." Well, they do. It me. does shortwave as I well. Watched, yeah, and that's what that's what I was kind of more interested in. I watched this amazing thing. It's on uh, Vimeo. I think I sent you a link. It's um, 
in the studio with Dave Sylvian doing his first solo album, and it had Holger Zuke with the dictaphone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're just so beautifully kind of grainy and sort of sepia tinted. It's it, it's it's a really amazing video. I'd recommend anybody watch it. But yeah, I like all this stuff. It was just a little too hi-fi for me. But yeah, there's 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 a part of this that I think. I don't know what the company are, but I thought, ah, if they were British, we'd all go, ah, oh, that's very British eccentric. Yeah, well, I think it must be Spanish. It sounds like a lot of the spoken language is Spanish. Um, one thing that is cool Italian. is that you can modulate, Italian, sorry, that you can modulate the frequency of the radio tuner, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh, cool. And, uh, cool. and if, you can, if you can modulate those at high audio rates, that would probably yield some interesting results. If you could, But I guess it must be very hard to pick the exact frequency at the 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 at both extremes because you'd sort of want with a square wave you'd want maybe very specific sounds and that's probably going to be quite hard to it, achieve but an interesting stereo, idea it's a stereo path it? though yes yeah, so oh like okay anything, oh, that's plug anything in you've got stereo filters for anything yes. you know anything that you plug that's in cool. so you could process, process external stuff that makes sense stereo so. processor because there's a bit of cv control on it as well um and it does look really nice. It definitely would have a pride of place, I think. I have a feeling that it could actually be a bit special, personally. But I do think the demos, they need to get some better demos, though. Yeah, I yes. think you're right, guys. I think you've hit on something there. Instead of, you know, just looking out using that radio, the fact that you can feed something external into it, it's a stereo pathway. They've been working on this since to, uh, 2020, I think, as well. So it's gone through a number of revisions. I think... Yeah, I think I'd just like to see some different demos as to what I could do. Maybe you should get in touch with them, Gaz. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> oh, well, we got it in there. Um, and we actually, uh, we've now got through, I think we, oh, there's one other one, but we'll save that. Uh, but uh, there will be so much more stuff coming. Uh, we're not doing any live streams from NAM. It was too much to to foist all the live engineering uh, production things onto the, the team. But one thing we are working on at uh, NAM is, is the idea of using cameras instead of, uh, phones instead of DSLRs. And when we're all on 5G, that means all of our roaming reporters could just go, you know what, I'm not going to record this, I'll just send it to to this show. And so those are the things that are going to be interesting coming up. In fact, there's a show at uh, GearFest, isn't there, um, in July, uh, which I, I forget, I think Robin Vincent mentioned last time he was on, that I think we'll try and go to, and we'll try and do some of that stuff there and see how that works, because in London uh, we should have a really good 5G signal and we'll be able to send out some fairly decent... Um, video i would have thought we'll see how that goes but thank you so much for joining us dave thank you for joining us I, I'm, I'm sure you're itching to thank get you. back to playing with the x8 um oh, but yes. um but you know you got, I you I, I, i'm sure that work. i was like no no, no, well, I'm glad it's not back to work. Are you? I, I'm sure, I, I ask, I'll ask anyway, but i know you won't say anything uh, is there anything that we should be looking out for from you not immediately Okay, that's fair enough. That'll do for me. I mean, you know, what can I say? But Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. No, thank thank you. you very much. Quite and fun. Matt, thank you too. I hope. Uh, well, you're doing. When's your live stream again? You're the one that you're doing. Um, Monday, six o'clock. Uh, I think you put the link in the chat. So thanks for that, Nick. Yeah, hit the bell and just to get reminded on that one. Should be a good chat. And if you've got any questions for those guys. Um, email me them beforehand or um you can go to the live page now and put the questions in there and i'll make sure that they get asked about the uh about the module as well so yeah got that and um 
hopefully we'll have some reviews over to you soon for some of these new modules and um, i'm just laughing at dave's it's the ring dave's yeah camera. <laughs> <laughs> excellent that looks like that's scary you look you look like you're ready to go on stage at a nine inch nails concert he like, does uh, that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> and Gaz, thank you for joining us too. Uh, eight o'clock, your um, UK time. You'll be streaming tonight uh, yeah, as well, right? Yeah, just yeah, but I mean, unlike Matt's show, which will be you know factual, interesting, and useful, my show is just going to be completely waste. If you want, I'll happily waste your time tonight. So if you want, you'll happily you want some, waste. Your, uh, yeah. Ephemeral, I think, would be the, that's the way to say it. It's, it yours will be ephemeral. Maybe match yeah. will be timeless. We'll see. But you know, ephemeral yeah. is good too. Uh, anyway, well, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, and thank you, everybody in the chats. Uh, lovely to see you all. Thank you. It's very uh, pleasing. Like I say, stay tuned for um, all of the. Uh, the NAM stuff is going to be coming on stream maybe from Thursday evening Pacific time right through to probably Sunday night Pacific time. There'll probably be some stragglers. I don't know what we're getting, but we will have the Nina. We'll have the uh, Groove uh, groove Synthesis, uh, PPG-style Wavetable Synth, and we've got some stuff with the OBX8, OBX8 as well. Is that, did I say that right? Yes, I think I did. Anyway, that's it for this time. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you all, uh, well, next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.